You're listening to High Shelf Gaming. Finally, a new intro. HSG is a show about tabletop gaming, so that's board games and role-playing games, gaming conventions. We're an open community on Discord and Facebook and Twitter and Twitch and YouTube. We're making content in all kinds of different places. Actual plays of role-playing games. There's a Patreon coming. There's another podcast coming. So stay tuned for all of those good things. This episode is all about Gen Con and running events at Gen Con. Whether you're doing it alone or with a big group, we've got lots of great information in here for you. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hey everyone, David here again with High Shelf Gaming. And as always, I'm joined by my kindred, Rich Wisniewski. Oh my God, I didn't know I was going to get set on fire tonight. Because <laughs> whenever I start a fire, I gather my kindred first, and I build it up as a small base, and then I get my flint and steel, Stop! and stop. I like go, and I get my kindred lit, and at that point, I start to make a teepee of sticks. And you know, Dave, I don't know if you know this, and the shelfies are about to learn, I am a fucking Eagle Scout. What? You're a Eagle Scout? I'm an Eagle Scout, bro. No, no, no smoke. Really. All right. So this really bothers me because as an Eagle Scout, you should know it's kindling. Oh, kindling. I thought you said kindling. <laughs> you said kindred. I thought that was kindling. I thought that was like the friends of kindling. Like, I was like channeling so, our World of Darkness episode with the kindred oh. and the and all that stuff. And and here you come in with your Boy Scouts. And but like, if you have a lot of kindling, they're like kindred to each other because they're buddies. <laughs> they are. They are in it together. That's yeah, that's true. So that's kind of where I thought that. No, and, kindred, and vampires don't like fire. So there's another. All right. I, all right. All right. All right. All right. Thin. Thin. Thin, thin but I give it to you. <laughs> the dictionary of Rich Wisniewski. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, you and I are finally recording again. My move is done. Oh my god! I dude. found my microphone in like a box. I found headphones. It took me forever to find headphones. And everyone, I'm totally screwed tonight because you know we video while we do this, yeah. and the whole background for Dave is wrong. And there's lots of things I do well with, and change is not one of them. So is, it is, is like, I, I immediately, we get on the call, and I'm like, yo, dude, this, I don't know if it's going to work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Uncanny Valley, but for my room. Yeah. It's like not quite my room. No, yeah, there's no way. window anymore. The bookshelves are all in the wrong place. I'm just there's glad this. it's us tonight. And it's not like we have a guest, and I got to like work a guest and you, because <laughs> I'm not too sure with this image of this wrong room, I can really yeah. focus too well. So behind me, folks, I'm in this like kind of old style house where the the master bed and the baby's bedroom are joined and so rich is looking at this doorway behind me and it's totally black like it's dark dude how old is this room i mean how old is this building how old is is this house like 1910 so if some ghost comes out through that door (laughs) i'm gonna be like dave there's a ghost behind you you better tell me because you know I'm not watching. You know I'm working on something else. So if you see something like, if you see one of these board games behind me, like start to pull itself out of the bookshelf it, and fall, I'm going to flip my shit. You are in an old school house. There is some bad shit that's happening there. In 1910, bro, there's got to be bad stuff that's happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Roaring 20s was about to hit. Uh-huh. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. If you see any of these books or board games start to like shake or start to slowly slide out, you tell me. I will. I'll give you a heads up. Thanks, bro. <laughs> okay, so tonight we are getting back into Gen Con. We're redoing our Gen Con episodes. God, if you I heard our Gen old Con ones, already. they were good, but this one's going to be great. Oh, man. 
I don't know if I'd say they were. I mean, it's amazing. We recorded those and we had years of experience. You know, that's, yeah. that's the thing is we had lots of experience, but we didn't have lots of podcasting experience. I wouldn't even right. say if we have, I wouldn't even say we have good podcasting experience. Now we have better mics. Yeah. 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 We have well, we've we've, we've we learned a lot. Time. And, and I want to say this one specifically is getting a big upgrade because we're talking oh. about running events. God, I love running events. And you know, that first episode, you were really the only one who ran events at Gen That's Con. Right. I'd run events at other cons and all that kind of stuff, but never at Gen Con. This time, I've taken an event on. We did a whole bunch of high shelf gaming Dude, events. Dude, you created the high shelf gaming group. Yeah. Which had how many events last year? We did, I think, 11 events in total. Wow. And I how think many this, hours? We had something like... 200 and something gamer hours. I mean, we had a lot of gaming hours going on and it was really, really stinking cool. And this year we're going to do even bigger. So we're going to be constantly running events. Uh, So if you're listening to this and want to hook up with high shelf gaming Gen Con events crew, and you want to run your own events under our banner, please do. So we've got some other podcasts that are going to join us. Spoiler. Hackmaster is coming. Hackmaster 2.0. Oh, Hackmaster, man. That's going to be so good. One of the DMs with the most going to run a Hackmaster game. I love it. Are you going to run Basic D&D again? I'm going to run Expert Set. Oh. So basic, but the next box up. Yeah. Yeah. So you could like level. Yeah. Yeah. So we can have some more power. (laughs) And that means I can bring some more baddies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not just goblins. Yeah. We got baddies coming. Nice. Nice. I'm I'm excited. Yeah. I'm going to run a White Wolf game. Um, (gasps) Yeah. Oh, it's going to be so good. It's going to be so good. Yeah. So we have a bunch of events going on. We have a bunch of shelfies that are running events. So this episode is for them. This episode is for you if you've never run an event and are curious about running an event at Gen Con. Or maybe you're like us and are thinking, hey, let's do a group. Let's do a bunch of people together and let's all run events under the same banner because we're part of a of a local gaming community and we want to like, you know, just do something together at Gen Con. God, that's going to be interesting to hear. I don't even yeah. know how this works, folks. So yeah. this is going to be a part that he unpacks for me to kind of learn about it. And then um, I'll ask questions, you know, and see how that goes. Yeah, yeah. And okay, so one of the big things, the mistake we made last time is we gave dates. This time we're not giving dates on when things happen because they nope. change all the time. Yep. Right? Every year it's changed. And I really want Go this to Go to the ever- fans of Gen Con page on Facebook yes. Yes. because they have some crystal ball shit going on there. Yes. Every year they're like, I think this is going to be the dates. And they're like, on the money. Yeah. 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 I think they're paying a guy. I think that, I think that the they're fans of Gen Con are like dictating the dates. Art's That's the only way it makes sense to Art's me. Art's getting the feedback. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, definitely fans of Gen Con Facebook group. Great place to go to get information about Gen Con. There's also a GMs of Gen Con group on Ooh, Facebook. Ooh, I haven't heard of this. Yeah, it's like an unofficial thing as well. And it's a really good place to go if you want to be a GM, but don't necessarily want to organize a bunch of events. Gaming companies go in there and they say, <gasps> hey, we need five GMs. No way. We'll get you a pass. You just got to run 30 games. And then you say, I'll do that. And then you uh, run a bunch of games. And it's great. It's a it's a really cool gig. That's also a really good community full of lots of great events or great information. Yeah. What a great way to, to supplement your event. Yeah. You know, get a free badge, got yeah. things to do, and yeah. you're, you're part of the community. I mean, you can conceivably run enough events at Gen Con to get a free badge, to get a free hotel room. What? 
Yeah. So there's a whole thing about the way Gen Con rewards you for being an event organizer, being a GM. They they reward you for basically creating content at the con. I mean, because come on, let's really talk about it, right? What? Why GM? Why run an event? Why DM? Yeah. You know, we've talked in the past and, I, and I've said it before and I'll say it again. I like giving back to the community that supports yeah. me. That is yeah. my number one main thing. Yeah. But number two, holy crap, it's fun. And yeah. number three, without us, it doesn't happen. Without right. people to organize and run games, we, we could all just stay home. Yeah. I really like your reasons for doing it giving back to the community and all of that stuff. I think there's other reasons to do it too. And that is mm-hmm. uh, the free badge, right? The, oh, yeah. the logistics help that Gen Con gives you for being a GM. It, it is nice. I'm, you know, no lie. It's a, it's a cool thing. And I was really happy to give out badges last year to our GMs that GM so many games for us. Okay. So should, should we dive in to begin with, with, what is this game pool thing you did, or should we dive into running your first event kind of thing at Gen Con? Where should we go? Tell you what, let's start with running an event at Gen Con like you're doing a one-off, right? And then towards the end of this episode, we'll talk about uh, making an, a group, doing a bunch of events, and the way I organized it, uh, and some of the things to kind of keep in mind Got it. when you're doing this stuff. So we'll... If you've never run an event before for Gen Con or you have and it didn't go well, listen to this first part. And if you're like, hey, I want to do a big group thing, definitely stay on towards the end when we start getting into the And now everybody stuff. knows how much we plan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, get on a call. Let's figure this out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Running an event at Gen Con is easier than, it, than you think to like make that happen. But... I think it's harder than people realize if you've always been an attendee and you just show up to these games, it looks like it was really easy. I think that's a really well-prepared GM. You know, I think that uh, the person who makes the game feel easy for their players has prepared quite a bit. Oh, that has got to be the number one piece of this before, you know, we could go, we could say Gen Con, we could say Alcon, we could say PAX, any of the items you want, by the way, PAX South, um, I will be guest DMing. Yeah, but we're, we're sponsoring PAX South role-playing yes. games. Yes. Oh, that's going to be so, so fun. Yeah, that'll we'll be a lot of fun. Anyway, yeah, we need to build in some promo. You know, no matter what you do, when you go to any of their websites, you have the availability to just sign up as a, as a DM or GM, I'm sorry, and say, I want to run an event. And so you just kind of go through the online, you know, fill out your name, put in your user information, say what yep. game you want to run. Describe um, the game. Yep. And normally you got to give it a title. Yeah. And normally you got to give it some description. And by mm-hmm. the way, I always think, make it an exciting description. Right. You know, you should know what you're about to run. Make it, make it fun in your description. I would say, write the description out and then bring someone else to read it. Because you're going to describe it, what is exciting to you, but someone whose fresh eye is going to look at that and they're going to say, I don't know what this game is about. That's right. You know, they need to know kind of, is this going to be a mystery game? Is this going to be an action game? You need to, you need to kind of tell them some stuff so that the folks that are deciding what games to play, they, they're going to look at that and go, oh, cool. I know what I'm getting into. That's a very good observation, Dave, because I would say I almost took that as... 
that is exactly what I meant in under the words, because I normally like to try and say if it's going to be a dungeon crawl or if there is going to be this or if there is going to be that, they should be able to read that description and go, that is what I want to get into. So you you kind of hit some good points. You need to define whether it's going to be hack and slash, whether it's going to be mystery, whether it's going to be this, that or the other in your description. And that's all like logistics things. And, and really the Gen Con site, and they've got a nice little tips for new event organizers. They go through some of this and the logistics are pretty simple, right? You, you click on the thing, you fill out the form, you submit it. They're going to review it and decide if it meets mustard or if they need to make any changes. They'll tell you about those changes and all that kind of stuff. The logistics, I think, are pretty easy. I mean, what, what's your kind of take on it, Rich? You know, they have never turned me down. Yeah. Over all the years. So I have to think it's pretty dang open-ended yeah. because, you know, literally I'm saying all the time I'm running D&D, some version AD&D, basic D&D, some version like that. And I give them a title and stuff. And I've never had anything come back except for maybe they've edited some of my grammar or they've edited yeah. some of my, you know, lineup of, I call it red box and they call it basic. You know what I mean? Sure. Just sure. some little things like that. Just so it's um, consistent with other listings. Yeah. 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 I'm not too sure. I wonder if anybody's ever been denied running a game. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure really? somebody's been denied. Uh, I'm sure somebody I put in some... I wonder what it was. Some, I mean, it was probably not a good thing, you know. Now, there are a couple of things to note. Gen Con does charge for your event, right? So yes. when you submit the event, you might not get a dollar for doing this effort. But Gen Con is going to get $2 for every two hours, minimum $2 and, for and your you- event. And you can ask for more money. You can. Yeah, yes. you anything more than that you ask for, Gen Con just pays you in the form of a check many months after the event. Right. And 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 as far as my 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 purposes, I've never charged more than the $2 because I want people to come in and have a good time, just like I always have a good time. And I try and keep those prices low. But then we have friends that run things and I'm going to I'm going to, you know, pimp Super Robo Rally. Yeah. That they have to charge more than $2 because of the R&D, because of the product. I mean, they put so much into it. So if you are planning an event where you are literally transporting and using and creating, I don't think you should be afraid to charge. Yeah, or maybe there's consumables. Maybe the players walk away with something like a mini or something else, like charge a little more, you know, like that's fine. I think that when you charge more than the standard $2, $4, people kind of expect a little more. Right. Right. So make sure that if you're charging more than the than the Gen Con gets paid rate, that you're you're bringing something a little extra to the event. Uh, You know, that's the base price stuff. There is some special things around tournaments. There is a thing like free events that you have to go through special approval for Mm. charity events, external offsite events that still get listed on the calendar. So. I'm talking about your standard, I want to run a board game or a card game or a whatever game, you know, role-playing game. Uh, But there are other event types and they have different pricing. But if you're running your own one-off thing, then odds are you're running, you know, a standard board game, role-playing game, something like that. You know, if, if you, if you had some transport charges, cause I could see, yeah. you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pick on Ryan, you know, he does some Lego stuff at some cons yeah, and I could see having to, you know, he has to maybe ship that ahead of time, get it over there. Oh yeah. Get all and that Lego cover. terrain out. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah, you want to yeah, cover yeah. some of that cost. And yeah. you know what? It's even weird nowadays with all the D and D charging. 
that we're DM charging that oh, we're seeing yeah. go on. Yeah. Who knows? There might be some people listening to this that go, hey, I'm a pro DM. Right. And right. by goodness, I need to get paid for my services. Well, you know what? You throw it out there. You're going to find out if people want to do it. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, and Gen Con might be a little tough for you because you are competing against people who are doing it, quote unquote, for I'm free. I'm pro DM, dude, next year. Yeah. Yeah. You want to oh, charge what do you, $100 what do you, a seat. Bro. <laughs> that's like Satine Phoenix prices, dude. <laughs> <laughs> she charged. I think I think when I saw her last Gen Con listing, it was like 200 bucks a seat. I mean, it's worth it because she's awesome. And she's a celeb and all that good stuff. But like hundred bucks a seat, dude, you're like, <laughs> you need to have some Instagram followers or something. Dude, to- <laughs> I am going to go pump it up for next year. Just wait and see. I am going to have Jaeger bombs and me. So it will be worth a hundred dollars a seat. But yeah, I guess, you know, if you're a pro DM, yeah. I mean, there, there's a reason not to do it that way. You're getting paid to do your job. And that is part of the gig. So that's a really interesting rabbit hole we started to go down to, which is how much do I charge for my event? Right. I think that that's a whole aspect I hadn't thought of till we started to walk down it. It's it's really neat stuff. I mean, uh, definitely you want to consider that before you get into it. Don't hit the submit button until you're happy with all those things. Because right. once it goes into the submit queue, you have a, like a small window before you for to make changes. Ooh. And then after that, it's locked down. You can't make you can't make any more changes because they're in uh, deeper level reviews for it. Uh, so yeah, make sure you're happy with all that stuff, the pricing, the time requests, you know, the types and description. You're happy with all those things before you hit that submit. Button. Oh, and let's you know even talk about time. I only run one game, and I run one game on Thursday at eight a.m. to kick off the con, and that's all I've always done it that way. Even though I've been extremely hungover many Thursdays at eight a.m., it is just I like to kick the con off running a game. So I actually say one session, Thursday, 8 a.m. How about when you want to run more than one session and more than different time frames? Yeah, you know, that's all pretty easy. You just submit a new event request for each one, right? So you say, I want to run this event at this time. And then at another time, you're running a second event and a third event. And you just kind of submit all of them, right? Make sure that you're not making too many copy paste errors if they're all the same event. You know, you want to make sure that if there was anything unique for the 8 a.m. game and then your noon game is different in some way that you haven't actually copied and pasted something, that's a really good way to get your gamer hours up, right? Yeah. And the gamer hours is how Gen Con measures whether or not you've earned a reward from Gen Con. Oh, right. what are these rewards? Because I've never had a reward. You've never had a reward, yeah. <laughs> when you run either really big games or multiple games, which is more likely, Gen Con tracks how many quote-unquote gamer hours you propose to run. Uh, so it'd be something like, I'm going to have a five-player game for uh, four hours, right? For five players times four hours, that's 20 hours. Yes. 20 Your gamer mathematics hours. is algebraically correct. All right, cool. So that would be 20 gamer hours that you would potentially accrue. So Gen Con says, look, if you get 70 gamer hours strung together, you get yourself a Gen Con badge. Oh. So you either need one 70 person, one hour game. <laughs> Wow, Which I, I don't know what that game that is. Out. I could totally, you know, Bullfrog, when they run that big AD&D event with all the minis, yeah. there's like 10 of us, 12 of us. There. Oh, yeah. 
Oh yeah, for they, four yeah. hours. They there got go. a lot of hours, but yeah. but they got three guys running the event. Right, at the same time. right. And those three guys but, all have badges, right? Yes. So so that's one thing, right? So that's uh the the GM badge, the four day pass for being a game master. That happens at seventy gamer hours, and then the hotel room. If you do two hundred, whoa, two hundred player whoa. hours. Hold up, hold up. They cover one fourth of one hotel room. <laughs> okay, so let's not go banking in, on hotel rooms. They're off anticipating, of games. right? They're they're anticipating you being four deep to a hotel room. <laughs> yes, and which is how we go. Hours. We go four deep, bro. Yeah. We go four deep and George Foreman. Yeah, George Foreman's in our room, people. That's right, grilling up them. Damn right, he is. He's Salisbury's. grilling. <laughs> that's how we eat those hamburgers so we don't have to buy the corn food. But that's, that's a whole right. other episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get into uh, the, the joys of the George Foreman. Yeah, I never um, knew any of this aspect of it because I only sign up to do one thing one, ever yeah. and since, uh, until last year when you yeah. created the umbrella of HSG. Right. And then I was under it. Right. Um, but before now, then, it was always just one event, one me, one time. Yep. Now, if you want them to cover an entire hotel room, that's 800 player hours. It's a Holy lot. smokes. Now, whoa, 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 whoa. Does that get you into a different registration for the hotel? A new. Okay. Dang no, it. no, no. It's Dang all it. reimbursement. It's okay. all reimbursement. And my last thing on this hour stuff is I have run many games. I have had no one show up to my game, and I've had extra people show up to my games. Do they count who really shows up, or is it what you've scheduled? I believe, this is my understanding is for the badge right they do what is what is expected oh there so we go you, what is expected so, so is if you way. if you if you put into the world 70 gamer hours worth of fun then gen con will get you a badge but they probably won't reimburse your hotel room until they check and see who all actually showed up gotcha Good right. point. So you and can't create a whole little fake facade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can't make like a, this is a $700 event per seat. It's one hour event, 70 players, yeah. ka-ching. And no one signs up. Because <laughs> Nobody signs a, up because it's 700 bucks for an hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that those are the types of events that Gen Con probably ixnays, right? When we did our group and we submitted a bunch of events, they gave us the badges ahead of time. And I think we were just under the cutoff for getting a fourth of a hotel room. <laughs> Who were the shelfie winners last year? Oh, um, yeah. So, okay. Let's talk a little bit about that. The way we did it as a group is we had a bunch of GMs all running onesie twosie games, right? Patrick ran like five games or four games, but big like games. Star Wars. Yeah. And, and he had enough to earn a badge all on his own. Oh, sorry. Right? Yeah, so he got a badge out the gate, and then the rest of us all had onesie twosies events, sure, but not quite enough to earn our own badge. But because we all did it as a group, Gen Con says, "Well, you as a group have earned yourself two more badges on top of Patrick's badge." Whoa, I didn't know it was three people. I yeah, 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 yeah. So to our Facebook page. Yeah, we're actually organizing all this stuff right now on our Facebook group. So if you want in on this for whatever year you're listening to, there's probably a Gen Con planning thread right now in the High Shelf Gaming Facebook group talking about all this stuff. So Patrick got his badge, right? And then I did a lottery for the other two badges. And the way I ran it, to be kind of fair, right. is 
I did each gamer hour or uh, Gen Con calls it player hour. For every player hour you have put into the world, that was a lottery ticket. Oh, sweet. Right. So like Scott, one of our winners, he plays Zorn on, on, Zorn. Our, on our on our stream, Zorn. on a stream game. So Scott put in a bunch of events and he had several hours. I want to say he had like 40 or 50 hours. Yeah, he ran some Dragonlance stuff. Yeah, he had some really cool shit going on. He was a heavy favorite just because he had so many gamer hours. Uh, So when I, you know, did my random number generator, one of his tickets got pulled. And then I ran the random number generator again. The person who ran one of only one event, uh, Heather, she ran Dead of Winter. And just the, you know, the random number generator, boom, her lottery ticket got pulled, right? I see everything you shelfies do. Yes. (laughs) He watches all, even if he's not on the Discord. You game it. You game it. You see what happens. You know, it's, it's, there's some randomness in there. There's a die roll. There's some luck. That's really, that does just tried and true to us. Yeah, sure. And and I could see other groups saying, look, whoever puts in the most gets the badge. I could see other groups organizing it in other ways. I just did it as a lottery because we're a looser organization. You know, we're friends, but also other strangers in the High Shelf Gaming Facebook group that were participating. That are soon to be friends. Right, exactly. And I wanted all of them to get a chance. And by the way, how do you decide what game you want to run? It's all up to you. You just pick what game you want to run. But I want to say, to get back to the prep stuff we kind of oh. hinted at earlier, you got to make sure it's a game you know. There we go. It's something you should be, and there's a magic word that's about to come up, folks, passionate about. Yes. It should yes. be something that you love. You should not go, hey, I want to run a game to get a badge, and I'm going to pick this game, because <laughs> everyone at your table will know. Yeah. Yeah, that you're it, not passionate. And yeah, you know it, what? That passion oh, makes so it true. fun. So true. And don't think like, oh, I got to make it a popular game. Don't. No. Like, like there are so, like you hear it on Twitch and stuff. People are saying, oh, we got to do D- Dungeons and Dragons because it's a popular game. Like, no, look, no, no, look, no, no. I get, I get it. And maybe in Twitch land, maybe that may be accurate. But in, in, Dun- in Gen Con land, screw that. Run the game you love. And there are 70,000 people there. Whatever game you love, there are five people that love that game too. Yes. And And that is the beauty of it. Yes, exactly. And if you're like, oh, there's a game that I love, but it's dead. There's nobody running the game anymore. They don't make any more. Yeah. Basic D&D. Prime example. Uh, What is clout? Right. Clout. Origins. (laughs) What? What? Exactly. Like, like there's so like people go to Gen Con to get to play games they can't play anywhere else. So if you have Dark Tower, bring it and play it. You know, like, or you play like the old classic samurai game. Like, there was one year that there was only one dude who brought his personal copy of Samurai, and I always wanted to play it, and I got to play it at Gen Con because one person decided to bring a dead game to Gen Con. So if you have a game that you love that's been in the closet for a long time and you really want to run it, but none of your friends like it, play it at Gen Con. Yes, and I love every year I play D&D, basic yeah. or ad and I love yeah. it every year, but there was one year that was really cool. It was two dads with their two kids. Oh. And they brought their kids to play AD&D yeah. like they did when they were their age. What a and cool you know, it is experience there. you yeah. can give them. Pick your game that you're passionate about and yeah. people are showing up. Yeah. Okay. So one, pick a game you're passionate yes. about. Two, 
work on your game oh. before Gen Con. Prep, 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 prep. <laughs> yes, get all your pre-gens or bring extra dice or paper or whatever stuff Read your game... Read the rules three times. Oh my gosh, yes. Like, know your game. If you're running a module or a certain tournament style or a whatever, have all that back And to you front. know, that's super important because you don't want to stop playing. You have right. four hours. And by the way, Maybe. no one ever Maybe. gets mad if you're done early, right? Yeah. No one ever gets up. Oh, yes, you could run two hour games, couldn't sure. you? Yeah. yeah. So you could run, but most people run a four hour block. And if you're done before four, most people aren't mad. Yeah. So don't worry about trying to hit four hours on the mark. Most people have to get somewhere. Yeah, usually. So most people you, book back to back. Yeah. <laughs> so if you actually wrap up at three and a half, they're probably pretty right. happy. But that gives you a little bit of room for a mistake. Yeah. yeah. But prep your rules because no one wants to come play a game and then stop for you to go. Yeah. Oh, hey, I, I don't know what to do. Hold on a second. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Right. Yeah. You need to know that stuff. What, you need to know that. Right. The other thing is you need to have all your stuff kind of kitted, ready to deploy Ooh, it very point. fast because Gen Con doesn't give you setup time and teardown time. You ask for a two hour block. Well, quote unquote, you get ownership of the table the moment your game is supposed to start. Okay. Now this is interesting. Right. I always pick the 8 a.m. game on Thursday. <laughs> so, so you get, you I show up at 730 and yeah. no one's there. I have the table to myself. So I set up my little DM shield. I set up my little map. I set up little, you know, stations for everybody and little coffees. And so I have lots of setup time. I've never run a game at 2 p.m. Right. But if you run a midday game, you might be hot swapping a table. Ooh. Someone else might be unpacking or packing up while you're unpacking. Oh god. So what make sure you got your stuff kind of ready. Oh yeah, dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. So just oh. make sure you get your stuff organized and you know how to do it. And if somebody's at your table, don't be afraid to ask them to move. Don't be afraid right. to go get the event organizing uh folks, yeah. the Gen Con folks involved. Like and go to the Gen Con room. You know, do all the prep steps ahead of time. Yeah, that it's yeah. funny. We ran a joint event last you year. You and I Dave did, yeah. I, yeah. And we walked up to our area, and that was that was kind of our comment was, hey, yeah. we're playing in this area. Is that right? And we kind of, you know, we did that thing where you're on the airplane, yeah. and, you know, someone's sitting in your seat, and you're like, hey, I'm an A52, right? Yeah. And they're like, oh, 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 I didn't know I was in your seat. Sorry about that. This is a right. great aisle seat that's like in a perfect spot. Yeah, yeah it is, because yeah. I, I paid for it. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you kind of have that same scenario that sometimes you got to say, this is my spot. Right, right. You know, be prepped on that front. And I would say, I'm going to borrow a little guide I got from the Death Die Club crew. They were on our show back talking about gaming in Mexico, and they're doing some really cool stuff in the well, Mexican like RPG yes, scene. But what they do is they run their Gen Con events at other cons ahead of time. Ooh. So they go to smaller local cons, run their games there, get a little practice in. Right. And so if you're like, oh, it's my first time doing it. Awesome. Please do that. But maybe go to like some, you know, local gaming con that's run at a library in your town or whatever and just run it there, you know, in a lower pressure environment where it's much easier to find Mistakes where you're supposed can to be. Come up. Oh, totally. You yes. got a lot more wiggle room there. Just run it there just once. Right. Just to just to get a little just to get the cobwebs out of it. Right. And then you're going to say, OK, leaving that. Going into a place like Gen Con, where I might be trying to find, 
green 42 in a room full of green tables like you and I were looking, uh, you have less. You've got the game part figured out. So just prep. Right. Just prep and practice. Do that kind of stuff if you can before you run your event. All of that stuff just makes it runs much smoother at the table and makes Gen Con that experience much more friendly for your fellow gamers. Right. Be ready to be the rules master. Yeah. Um, You are going to have someone show up at your table that knows the game inside and out. Yeah. And then you're going to have four people show up at your table that have no idea what they're doing, but they're really excited to play your game. (laughs) (laughs) So be ready for that. And if you have a rules master, ingratiate them. Because I've done that before where I went to play AD&D or or basic and there was someone that knew the rules better than me. Great. Oh, yeah. You can refer to them while we're playing. Yeah. You do not have to be the end all be all on rules. I just think maybe you need to be the end all be all on, you know, what's happening in your game. Right. You know, whether whether you want to go off the rules, whether you see something, whether you need to, you know, be in charge, you are the game master at that moment. Yeah. I would say if you have like a, a defined block, like a two hour block or a four hour block, kind of have in your head, like some things you can cut. In order to speed up the game, because oh the players do. Great point. Players I am always will, ready to cut stuff. Oh yeah, players will slow your game down. Yes, that is such a great point, Dave. Yeah, especially if it's a role playing game. Especially if it's a role playing game. Board games oh. are can be a little harder to slow down, but even then, you know, decision paralysis can happen. So be, be kind of get it in your head of like maybe I can remove this part of the dungeon crawl or this part of this scenario or what have you so that we can get to the the final scene or the final uh, uh turn in the game or what have you like seat just, of your pants you yeah. got to fly a little bit by yeah. the seat of your pants and yeah. that you know what that comes with familiarity about what you're about to do yeah and yeah. running it again again I make friends play before I go to Gen Con I yeah. make my kids play before I go to Gen Con. So I've yeah. run it a few times and then I show up ready to go. And I know it doesn't need to be said, but remember to bring the game. Oh yeah. No, no. That's a really good point <laughs> that literally before I leave, it is what is my checklist of yeah. the things I need. I need these books. I've made yeah. these printouts. Yeah. I have these character sheets ready to go. Yeah. I have this map. I have my new pen, my marker pen. I got my little spray bottle so I can wipe things. I got a little towel to wipe things off. Man, you you need to make a list. Yeah. Yeah. You need to have all that stuff. Because if you forget to bring the game, well, hey, there is the Gen Con marketplace. You might be able to buy the game. <laughs> oh my God. There. Could you imagine coming to run an entire game <laughs> and then you're like, son of a biscuit. I forgot it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gen Con does not like it when the event organizer bails on the game. I'm just saying, just don't do it. Do everything you can to avoid bailing. Mm -hmm. Ghosting your own game is a real good way to not get allowed to bring run games again in the future. And players, if you're listening to this episode, don't ghost the game. If you've registered for a game, show up for it because the event organizers are rewarded when they get high participation at the table. God, should I bring up the year that I sat down and no one showed up for my game? I'm so sad for you, man. Was that not rough? That I was mean, rough, I remember dude. even posting a picture like, here's everybody that showed up and there yeah. was no one there. Yeah. I think a group bought my entire event. They got wasted at Dick's. And they got wasted at Dick's or maybe they got tied up on the yeah. way there. Yeah, But sure. they did not make the con. Yeah. And here I am at 8 a.m., 8.15, 8.30, 8.45, 9 yeah. o'clock. People Nothing. beside me at other tables are like, yo, bro, that sucks. Yeah. Um, it does happen, though. 
And, you know, I didn't do the right thing, which, by the way, is to go to the event organizer table and talk yeah. to them. I just yeah. packed up and went home. Yeah. If, if nobody shows up to your game, go to the event organizer table. They may have players waiting right. for a game. And they say, well, hey, Rich over here is running basic D&D. Y'all went in on that? And all of a sudden you got six players. That's right. So, d- yeah, use your resources. Use Gen Con. Right. They can get you. Sometimes they can get you players or maybe you were in the wrong room. Maybe you. Ended oh, up my the wrong God. Place. Wouldn't that have been terrible? Oh, if I was just awful. in the wrong spot yeah. and there was like five <laughs> people sitting there waiting to play going. Yeah. Where's my oh, GM? That'd be funny. Somehow you got HSG signed up that all of us were part of the electronic ticketing system. Correct. Were we part of the beta program last year? So last year, I think I neglected to check a box <laughs> or something because all of our events were electronic ticket events. I don't remember saying I wanted it to be electronic ticket, but when I went to go get our badges and go through the whole process, they were like, yeah, no, you're an electronic ticket events group. And I was like, oh, well, thank you. <laughs> so um, if, if you are new to Gen Con or what have you, they used to do and still do paper tickets for a lot of events. You, you register for an event, you get your little paper ticket, and you show up and you hand your paper ticket over and you get to play because you have your paper ticket. That's right. And they've started doing this whole electronic ticket thing where instead of having a little paper ticket, you just let the game organizer scan your badge. And that lets you into the game that you've registered for. You've already registered for the game. You're, you're allowed to be there, but you don't get a physical ticket. It's just attached to your badge. I am a fan of the electronic ticket system. It has problems. It has it has two very big problems. But overcoming those two big problems, I think the electronic ticket system is great. And I think that for as long as Gen Con runs two systems, a paper ticket system and an electronic ticket system at the same time, there's going to be heartache. Definitely. Because people will think, oh, where's, I think, oh, this is an electronic ticket game. No worries. I'll show up. Oh, it's a paper ticket event. Fuck, where's that ticket? Or where's my ticket? Where's my ticket? Where's my ticket? You forgot that it's an electronic ticket. You got all this heartache about, oh, do I have the right thing for this event? Like, that's a problem. And for as long as they have two systems, that's going to remain a problem. And next year will be a two system year. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be two system for a while. I think, I think it's going to be two system for a while. So, so electronic tickets are great because as an event organizer, all I have to do is scan their badge and. Oh, but you have to have the app downloaded. Right. And so you have, you to, have to have a smartphone. Right. So not the, a Larry. Yes. 1990s yes. flip phone. Yes. So, so, Motorola so big problem number snake. one is the event organizer needs to have access to a probably a smartphone that has a camera on it that has the app. Oh, it has that, a camera too. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Works. It has to have a camera. That works, right? Because yes. if you've got your phone a little wet and the camera, only the camera broke, but the rest of the phone's good. Eh, not and, good enough. Not that Rob has a phone that ever is like <laughs> all broken and barely yeah. working. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So the camera has to work. Work well enough to scan a barcode, right? right? All of those things need to be true like you need to have the app you need to be logged into the app as the game master has to be the game master for that event logged into that app and and they are allowed to scan actually the game master and the event organizer both of those are valid so i could have scanned for your games rich last year oh really because i was the overall organizer and i could have scanned for any of ours if i needed to um but 
So that's problem number one is that you have to have all this technology as the event organizer or the GM in Which order to use the electric. We could play the Pareto theory, right? Right. That 80% of the people have right. the right things. Right. And it's, it's, it's probably even higher than 80. And if you don't have those things, well, I mean, frankly, probably one of the players is going to have those things. And you could open their app, log them out of their app. Oh, because you had to log in to get a badge. Yeah. And then you, you have lo- to have yes. a login. Yeah. You have a Gen Con login. Then you log in on their app as you, and then you scan their badge and everybody else's badge and you're okay. That would be kind of, that'd be, I mean, that'd be asking a lot of a player, but if you've got a buddy with a phone, you know, or. Oh know, my God, dude. Players at tables are so awesome. Yeah. They'll, they'll let you do that. So, but, but it has to, you, you have, yeah. So there's this technology hurdle, right? right? And it has to be the person who registered for the event, their badge needs to be there. So one of the strengths mm. of the paper ticket system was you and I could buy tickets for one another. I could hand you your ticket. And then we, if I don't make it, but you make it, it's all good. And I could just give it to a buddy even. Right. I could just right. say, Hey, I don't want to play this at two. Why don't you right. go? Right. So you can just hand the ticket over and you're good. That's the paper ticket bonus. With electronic tickets, there's no transfers right now. So I think that's the second big problem is no transfers. I can tell you from running my game, it went smooth. It's super smooth. It went really well. Everybody was there. I just brought up the app and went bloop, bloop, like I was working at Kroger, just kind of scanning them bananas and just getting people in my game. Oh, yeah. And it gives you all the assurances in the world. It says, I'm looking for this person. It tells you the names that you're looking for. You scan their badge and then the little green shows up. I was so impressed with how it worked. I, I was nervous. The event was over and I was happy. And then I even went to an event where I wasn't signed up and go on. Yeah. So go this, into this. You're going to explain yes. it better than I did. So this, there's a really good strength to the electronic ticketing method. It used to be you bought a bunch of generic tickets for events that you didn't register for, but you still wanted to try and get into. You just kind of show up with some $2 generics and try and buy your way in. Right. With the electronic ticket system, they don't want the generics. But what you can do is at the table, scan a badge for someone who wants in at the game. And it says, this person is not registered for this event. Do you want to sell them a ticket? Yes, I want to sell them a ticket. And then they get an email because you've scanned their badge. So John Conner. email that they're attached to their account. Yep, exactly. So, So they get an email saying, hey, this event organizer wants to sell you a ticket to their game. Do you want to buy this ticket? Yes, I want to buy. And boom, you're in the game. So you no longer have to buy 20 bucks of generics and carry them around and maybe not use them. You know what's funny? I wonder how much money Gen Con made every year off of generics that weren't used. Because I can tell you, bro, I can go in my little D&D box right now. I guarantee you there's a generic (laughs) from years past sitting in there that I brought home because I didn't go back to turn it in and it just came home with me. Yep. So I say, if you want to run events at Gen Con and you have a working cell phone that you're comfortable using the camera on and all that kind of stuff, do the electronic system. It it is it is good. The players lose the ability to trade your tickets super easy, but you as an event organizer are going to have a much easier time because you're going to scan their badge and that effectively already turns the tickets back over to Gen Con. 
Because that was the other thing with the paper thing. Oh, you had to collect God. all the tickets. You had to collect all the tickets in a little I envelope. Was terrible about turning them in. And then you had to go back to the GM's uh, room to turn uh, them in. And it was just a big nightmare. Where is the GM's room? Well, I don't even know where it's at. And you're like walking around trying to find it. And you got to turn in your tickets. And then I remember one year I didn't turn any of them in. And I was like, oh, I'm going to get blacklisted next year. Yeah. And they didn't. No, so no, no. You're small key. enough. They don't care. But yeah, when you're a bigger thing, they care. They care about how many tickets you bring in. And, and that's the other thing is that if you run a lot of events and you have high participation, you can become a premium event group. Mm. which means that you get some priorities in the uh, room selections and the other stuff. If you have good numbers, good stats as an event group, you get some behind the scenes benefits, right? And so players, if you can, please don't ghost those games so that those event organizers get the benefit of those good numbers, right? Of everybody showing up and turning in tickets and all that kind of stuff. Very interesting. And if this is a game you want to play that you didn't register for, show up for it. Does this amend our preparation list a little bit? Because, you know, just a minute ago, we were like, make sure you have all your game tokens and your game system. Yep. Make sure you've prepared by, you know, running your event or knowing your event so well that you can take a hiccup. Yep. Now it's, if you're running an event later in the day, you might need to make sure you got a battery backup for your phone. Make sure you're charged. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. even if maybe even have a little USB battery pack in case yeah. one of your attendees shows up and they yeah. have an issue, right? Making sure that everybody can be charged. That's an interesting thought. I never, it just hit me right now that God, how many times at nine o'clock at night are we running out of juice? Right, right, exactly. So, yeah, there's this technology angle that you need to be aware of, and that does change the, the prep, right? And then you also need to, as a player, remember. Th- which events are electronic, which events are ticketed, right? And now one day right. tickets are probably going to go away. It'll be all electronic. And hopefully by then they will have figured out how to allow people to transfer their tickets from one account to the other. I think that's really the biggest weakness. If they got ticket transfers done on the electronic ticket side, I think the technology problem could be solved with like a bunch of used iPhone 4s or something. You know, like like there are junker iPhones that would work just fine and at, at doing that one job. But I really liked the experience of running electronic tickets. I concur. And I think that from what I've seen online, it's maybe, dare I say, the gatekeeper that holds on to the paper ticket. Just like we're seeing the loss of the program book too. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I, change sucks. Yes. And right. maybe I shouldn't use gatekeeper. Is that too strong of a word? I, I in this case I think it's too strong. Okay. Yeah. I don't I don't think they're like raining on anybody else's fun. They're saying I don't like it for me. Right. And I totally get that. I totally get not digging on the electronic system. But as someone who ran events last year by surprise <laughs> as a, as an electronic ticket system, it went way smoother than I thought it would and I'm going to do it every year. Oh, yeah. Uh, If you have earned yourself a Gen Con badge, a GM's badge, you don't get that mailed to you. You go and pick it up on Wednesday or Thursday before your events. Okay, hold on. I thought they just credited your account for next year. No, they give you a special badge that says GM on it. Dude, I want a GM badge. Well, you got to run a bunch of events or win the lottery. 
Or win the lottery. Oh my God. So you mean Heather had a special badge that said like Dungeon Master on it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So what happens is, at least for HSG, what we do is everybody buys their own badges, right? Right. We all submit our events. And then later on, we figure out how many badges HSG has, has accrued. We lottery them out. And then I tell Gen Con, Scott gets one. Patrick gets one and Heather gets one or whoever wins the lottery. Right. Right. And they reach out to those people and say, hi, you paid for a badge, but you have also earned a GM's badge. So we're going to credit back. Nice. Your money. You get that back into your credit card or whatever. And you get a GM's badge. David or whoever is the big group organizer is going to get you your badge on Wednesday. So as, awesome. a, so as the event organizer, it's on me. And I didn't even know this until it was the day of. It was on me to go to the GM's room and collect all the badges and then hand them out. Right. So if you're running a big group event like like HSG does and you have some badges going out to some folks, you've got some work to do. Yes. And we should touch on during our event registration conversation, we should touch on how to purchase things in the future with this e-ticket idea in, in mind, because that really is true. How many Wednesdays did we spend at Dick's going, here's your tickets, here's right. your tickets, right. and separating them and giving people cash and handing cash back and forth, Yeah, we'll just talk working about through the logistics. Yeah, yeah. Okay, let's talk about the oh, big yeah. umbrella stuff. Okay. Of event organizing. So yeah. let's say you're the the event organizer. This for is exciting group. to me. This is yeah. totally new. So when you go in, there's an event organizer dashboard. Now, any GM running their own games is technically an event organizer and they get their own dashboard. But if you're submitting a lot of events for a group, you're the one submitting all of the things. And I actually made a mistake last year. I let one of the GMs submit a lot of his events on his own. Oh. Under the HSG banner. The events team reached out to me and said, hey, don't do that. If it's one group, make sure it's all coming from one person. And, and let's be let's let's talk about this, too. Yeah. And the idea that Gen Con is a gathering of people right. and there are so many teams. And I, right. and I, I did the air quotes when I said sure. teams, everybody. Sure. Yeah, there's so many teams of people that talk every year. And maybe they hang out in the city together, or maybe they don't, and they get together every year at Gen Con. Right. And you know what? If you're one of those teams and you're running events, you should be taking advantage of this. Right. And yes. you should put one of your folks in this seat like David is. Right. Now, this person is responsible for the event happening. So if you're the umbrella organizer, it is ultimately your responsibility that the event goes off. So if you got a shady guy in your crew that never follows up, don't let him do anything. Exactly. Exactly. You do need to do a little bit of filtering. Some people might call it gatekeeping, but I call it filtering because if somebody no, is unreliable, yeah. they don't get to run an event. Yeah. In I the think group. it's filtering. I don't think that's necessarily gatekeeping. That is Knowing your audience. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so it is ultimately your responsibility. Now you're trusting the GMs to show up prepared to run the game and all that and all that good stuff. And we did that as a big risk last year. We had a bunch of high, a bunch of shelfies coming together to run games. We were all kind of strangers and it went beautifully well. It went so stinking well. Like every year we do this kind of stuff and it further, you know, reinforces my faith in humanity. It went so stinking well. 
So we all just of got events, a great community, Dave. Yeah, we have we got awesome, awesome, awesome people that yes. like to do what we do yes. and they love to be part. And we yes. all have the same passion. Yes. Oh, it's so good. So everybody sent to me their event descriptions and their titles and all that kind of stuff. And I wrote it all up and submitted it all, submitted every single one of them. And Gen Con took it all away and went through their thing. They submitted changes and all that kind of stuff. The event organizer, the umbrella organizer is probably going to get a free badge, right? Because they're doing a lot of work and they're, it's, they're they on should. the hook for all this stuff, right? Yeah. And they're probably running some events too. There are some dates, some critical dates in the event submission thing. You can submit an event pretty early in the year. I, th- I want to say that you can start submitting events as soon as it's going to be around the time you're allowed to purchase badges is going to be around the time you can start submitting events. And there's a, there's an early period. If you can get your events in then great. And then there's a cutoff period. You really want to get your events in before that cutoff because any event submitted before the cutoff makes it into registration day. Right. And having your event there on registration day means that all of the people registering for events are going to get to see your events. And we filled up immediately. Yes. All of our events, except one, was in before that date. Why did one not? Oh, because we we didn't know, you know, timing and all that stuff. And so all our events in were, were in except one. And all of those events filled up instantly. And that was great. And then the event that got submitted late, they even submitted before registration day. But because they were after the cutoff, that event didn't get through the filters and all that kind of stuff and allowed until much later. And it was a real risk. It was not going to get filled. It did eventually get filled. But so here's something actually for players to think about. There's a cutoff for events to show up on registration day. That cutoff keeps moving forward on the calendar. And all these game companies like Fantasy Flight and Artalsorian and, you know, everybody who's running games, a lot of them take a little longer to get their stuff in order, in, oh, order, hell yeah. in order. And so they're submitting after the cutoff, which means they're not making registration day, which means that on registration day, a lot of events aren't there and they're getting added in later on. So for a player, kind of be aware of that, that now since they keep moving the event submission cutoff forward more people are missing the cutoff so more events are getting added in after registration day right so it's this whole like cause and effect thing going on as they move the dates around just stuff changes but if you can get your events in before that cutoff great do it because the events after that cutoff they're going to take longer i promise you because they're going to filter are you allowed to have this event yes okay cool all right submitted and then later on, they're going to figure out where all the events happen. Oh, my God. That has to be such a nightmare. Dude, and I'm sure it's just a stupid Excel sheet. You know, oh, like no. there's no way it's some fancy database with like some sort of AI decider thing going on. It's got to be like an Excel sheet and some really stressed out person. You know, my uh, my my ex-wife is a uh, principal with a, a middle school. And while, you know, while we were married, some of the things I'd hear about were trying to organize where every student goes to every class in all the classrooms. Yeah. You would not, you would be amazed 
and how stressful it is to line up every kid in a class during the, you know, cause they got to go to certain classes. They all have yeah. to fit in. Yeah. I think they have some of that same problem. They only have so much space. Right. They only have so many people and right. they, it's just probably trying to fit everybody in is, right. is a nightmare. Right. And if you were a group, they're going to try and put all of your group events in the same spot. That happened to um, Zorn and I, we were literally one table away. And we were really jerks to Gen Con. Why? Why? Because we ran multiple types of events. <gasps> we had board games. We had role-playing games. We had this. We had that. Just and Gen like Con was like, all right, podcast. I'm going to try and put all the HSG role-play events together. I'm going to try and put all the HSG board game events together. I'm going to try and put all the HSG whatever events together. But I'm sure they were like, come on, HSG. Can't you just run one type of stupid game? <laughs> Because that's not who we are. No, it's not. We're too We we're love too what everybody loves. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, there's a whole thing in there where they're trying to put types of games in the same area and they're trying to keep groups together. Try and make it so that you have events in series, right? One after another. So they can say, look, that's just your table. You just right. get that table all day long. That's a pretty cool idea. And there's some areas where I remember one of the games I played was down the like gaming ferret table and they just owned that whole table all three sections of it interesting and they just ran games on there all day long so yeah if you can run the same types of events that makes it easier for gen con to find a home for you but yeah you submit all that stuff you put all that in and there's a uh, regular updates that are coming in and all that kind of stuff but you can submit an event all the way up until i think the day before the event would happen so on Thursday, you could submit an event that gets played on Friday. You might not get a lot of players for it, but you can totally submit that. So Dave, how many player hours was it to get a badge? 70. 70. So and we got you, three badges. If you are a group of people coming and everybody likes to run in a game, it really can be advantageous yeah. to have one person do this to where one person in your group gets a free badge. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And heck, if you have enough, I mean, if you're getting 70, honestly, getting 140 ain't too tough. No. If you're already getting those kinds of numbers, if you're already getting that, that many events, I think that stuff is really cool. I, I love that there's so many private outfits that run games at Gen Con. You know, there's the, there's the companies that play and they run their events and that's great. But I think that one of the heart and soul of Gen Con is individual gamers like us that just love the stuff. Oh my God, you brought up such a beautiful moment. I totally didn't even think about that till you said it. There are corporate events. I, I'm going to call them corporate yeah. events that yeah. I go to. And, and I'm, you know, I shouldn't call them uh, corporate games that I go to. Company, and they company, are company games. Company right? games. Yeah. And they are run by a GM that's been given material and it's a corporate event or a company event. And those are great. But you know what? It is awesome when you sit down with someone that is, that's their love. They brought their pieces. They brought their game. They painted things special because it's their thing. And you know, I never thought about it from that point of view that when people sit down with me, they're playing with my stuff. Dude, yeah. And they enjoy oh, that. Okay. I never yeah. even thought about it till you just said it that Dude, way. Okay. One of the coolest moments is when you walk into a room and I had this when I showed up for your game, you walk into the room and you see the guys like storyteller screen or G DM screen out in front and it's got little scratches on it, you know, cause they they've used it. They've loved it. Yeah. 
I played in the cyberpunk game and the referee for me, she had this beautiful wooden referee screen that had like clockwork stuff on it. And it was so ornate and so gorgeous. And I was just like, this is amazing. Did the company give this to you? And she goes, no, no, no. I paid for this with my own money. I love this. And I was like, this is so cool. You're sharing this passion with us. You brought your like prized DM screen that is etched and worn and, and loved to this like room full of gamers yes, <laughs> and shared it with us. A, that is right there is a reason that if you're listening to this and you have a passion about a game and you want to run something, do it because you're going to fulfill somebody and someone is going to get fed from your passion. And that's pretty cool. I, I, I just never thought about it till right now as you brought <laughs> that up. And I went, holy smokes, you're right. Because I know there's a difference in those games. When I go to ones that are company events and I go to the ones that are, I do this because I love this. Yeah. Now, last thing I want to mention, and this has nothing to do with anything we've talked about so far. This is about food and drink. Bring yourself some water. Oh, totally. Bring bring yourself some throat lozenges because you're going to talk a lot. Let me tell you about it. Bring the flat pack water bottle. Guys, don't buy a regular water bottle. Don't buy the tin, the big hard thing. Get yourself a flat pack. So when it's empty, it's flat, fits in your bag, takes up no space. But when it's full of water, it's nice and big like a bladder. And actually, that kind of goes along with some of the original um, water bottles being bladders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were uh, stomachs of animals and stuff. And bring yourself some snacks and bring yourself some throat lozenges and bring candies. Some some Jolly Ranchers um, or something. Give to the DM because that will always help me not kill you. Yeah. <laughs> if you bring some treats that you can share with me. Yeah. I don't want to say bribe your DM, oh, fuck but yeah. I have maybe once or twice brought some mini Snickers bars for Rich. <laughs> bribe your DM. <laughs> Unless you're in a tournament, then don't do that. <laughs> and by the, by the way, how many times have we sat at games where people had treats and shared? Oh, I mean, yeah. dude, it's just awesome. Yeah. It is. It's part of the community. Yeah. It's part yeah. of... Thank goodness we can still have an event where things like that happen, that people yeah. bring stuff and share yeah. things. You want a Rolo? Yes, I want a Rolo. Oh, of Give course I want a Rolo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is my name Richo? I want a Rolo. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. I think that... I th- still can't bring whiskey. You're not supposed to bring whiskey. Well, sh- sometimes I do in one of my <laughs> fake bladders. So I can't tell. So, yeah, I think that pretty well covers the big event stuff. You just have a lot more going on on the big event side, but it is pretty rewarding. Um, so I love that that the High Shelf Gaming community is into it and that we're doing it again love this year. Um, I think everybody who ran games last year has already said they oh want to run God, games this year. Oh my God, and we got year. new ones too. And we got more people yes. running games this year. It's going to be so cool. I am pumped so if you want to join the high shelf gaming scene and run games with us please join the community if you and your community want to run games at gen con you guys have never done it before i hope this episode was really helpful to you because it is so rewarding it is so much fun and it is worth it yeah i can't say anything else if you have a game you love it is totally worth giving back to the community and getting to share it with new people um, even if they never, you know, like when I do these basic things and this AD&D stuff, no one goes out and buys all that shit. You know what I mean? It's so old, but yeah. they get to experience the way it was. Right. So yeah. if you oh. have a game that's that way, just do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Bring and, it to and, the and, thing. And, and by the yeah, way, I'm going to run yeah. a game Sunday this year because I'm not Ooh. leaving till Monday. Bro. Ooh. 
Oh, I'm nice. staying over. Nice, gonna run a Sunday event. Yeah, uh, Hugo and Fernando ran uh, the Death Die Club. They ran events on Sunday, and I, I'm interested in how that went. So yeah, yeah, all good stuff. Folks, I hope this was super helpful for you. If you have for more questions or comments, leave them in the Facebook group or on Twitter or all the other places that I tag in the lead and outro for this show. This is a passion of ours. Rich and I, we love this convention. We love this community. We love this industry. And um, we just wanted this episode to help you feel comfortable giving back in the same way that we like to give back. God, I hope someone listens to this and says, I'm going to do it. That to me would be all this is about. If one person listened to this podcast and said, I'm going to do it next year, whether it's at Alcon or North Texas RPG Con or, you know, whatever the other cons are around you. As long as you did something like that, I mean, dude, it's cool. It's very rewarding. It's very rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. It is so much fun. So, Folks, again, thanks a ton for listening. As always, have fun and play well. May all your roles be crits. Thanks for listening. If you like our style, then please click the buttons that it takes within your podcast app to tell them that you like us. That really helps other people within your same app find us, and we really appreciate it. So thank you. If you'd like to join the community and, you know, play games with us or chat with us or comment to us, then please find us on Twitter and Facebook and Discord and all those other places, Twitch and YouTube. Uh, It's really fun. We're super open. You can come on the show and talk about your favorite game even. I mean, that's kind of our jam. This episode is copyrighted by High Shelf Gaming LLC and is not cleared for rebroadcast or syndication without written approval. The music is provided by Lil Funky on YouTube, and our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. With that, we'll turn you back over to your true crime podcasts or whatever it is you're listening to, 